Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good should ultimately prevail in professional wrestling. It exists, or so we're told by WWE, to put smiles on people's faces. And if you've been watching that product long enough, I understand why you might be a bit confused and how that might be unclear. But technically, that's what wrestling is meant to do. Unfortunately, due to its similarities to a soap opera, that means there is very few opportunities for actual happy endings. Because, let's face it, it never ends. But in theory, the good guy should win when it's right for the good guy to win. Or at least, that's how it's supposed to go. I am Adam Nicholas, this is What Culture Wrestling, and these are 10 wrestling storylines where evil won. Number 10, Triple H versus Bugatti. Now, to borrow a phrase from Adam Wilborn, is this the worst thing that WWE did ever? Forget the choo-choo noises of Braun Strowman, the gross infantilization of Alexa Bliss, and the total destruction of tag team wrestling in the company right now. These things, and yes, they all took place on a very recent episode of Monday Night Raw, were mere atrocities of fiction for which WWE has become infamous in recent years. But the idea that here is your winner and still the WWE heavyweight champion, the white supremacist of a storyline, was a level of disgusting that's scarcely believable. On his Something to Wrestle With podcast, Bruce Pritchard is adamant that when Triple H said, people like you don't get to be world champion to Bugatti, he was referring to the man's status as a WCW wrestler. Which is stupid, really, because Bugatti was already a five-time world champion, and Triple H knew this because the belt that Bugatti had won was the exact same one he was wearing around his waist at the time. He never said WCW guy Goldberg had nappy hair, and he never said WCW guy Sting should merely dance for his entertainment. And even The Undertaker didn't treat WCW guy Diamond Dallas Page like a bathroom attendant. This was, unmistakably, a storyline in which the avatar of institutional racism defeated the black man and took 23 whole seconds to make the cover disgusting. Number 9, Triple H vs Sting. At Survivor Series 2014, Sting debuted for the WWE as the very last holdout, the ultimate outsider. So entrenched was Sting as the enemy that he debuted as the vigilante with a calling to dismantle the corrupt system once and for all. After a wild, twisting main event, Sting took Triple H down with the Scorpion Death Drop to equalise the interference and restore justice. Sting couldn't join WWE without first saving it. There was a certain poetry to the angle informed by years of history converging. It was actually good storytelling. And then WWE changed it nonsensically at the 11th hour. Sometime ahead of WrestleMania, the big brains of WWE seemed to work themselves into a shoot. 
What the hell's this guy's problem? We're the best, they said, growing annoyed by the scripted events that they'd penned themselves. And at WrestleMania 31, suddenly Sting was the embodiment of WCW, fighting the last battle of a war that ended 14 years prior. He was assisted on the battlefield by the NWO, with whom he'd quite famously feuded and lost because WWE is the best, it's the very best, the very, very best, the end. Number 8, Stephanie McMahon versus Mick Foley. This was as weird as it was depressing, as it was boring, as it was, in the end, thoroughly anticlimactic. In 2016, Mick Foley was installed by Stephanie McMahon as the general manager of Monday Night Raw. Foley, lovable folk hero, operated as a fair authority figure, which annoyed Stephanie McMahon, the heel. She expressed annoyance with babyface Dean Ambrose, scruffy, and the heel Charlotte Flair, nasty to her dad, across two episodes of the programme. Her character simply was that of an insufferable and impossible to please commissioner who made up the rules as she went along. She'd say things like, what do you have to say for yourself, as if Mick Foley was an insolent toddler. Foley, in response, would meekly concede that Stephanie was right, and can he still have a job? Pretty please, pretty please. The whole thing was an oppressive viewing experience with no entertainment value, nor any catharsis. And in the end, Foley was simply bounced out unceremoniously, wasting almost an entire year of TV on ridicule and misery. Number seven, Kofi Mania. 11 long years. The Kofi Mania storyline was premised on 11 years of struggle. Kofi wished to prove himself a true headline player. He had the ability, the drive, and in a genuinely stirring organic development, he had the support too. So why then did it take 11 long years? In storyline, this was partly explained away by Vince McMahon, believing Kofi to be a B-plus player, where have we heard that before, who was destined for the Hall of Fame, just not the first ballot. Regardless, in a euphoric moment, Kofi realised his ambitions after dethroning Planet's champion Daniel Bryan in a masterclass at WrestleMania 35. It was a brilliant emotional match that articulated the scope of Kofi's struggle within 24 minutes of spellbinding drama. It was, by some distance, the best moment of the run. Virtually every other match developed an unshakable mid-card vibe, and in truth, through its pointless mandated rematches, the run went on too long. But the way in which it ended was a brutally depressing reminder of where WWE thought Kofi stood all along. He was absolutely annihilated by Brock Lesnar on the SmackDown Fox debut. He wasn't considered a headliner, hell, he wasn't even considered a B-plus player. He was just considered as a guy who was there to do the job. Number 6. Austin vs McMahon The highlight of a generation's wrestling fandom, Austin vs McMahon, was a saga as entertaining as it was epic. McMahon was seminal as the hammy, ass-showing menace, and Austin hilarious as the man who kicked him there when the pants were down. Sublime physical comedy converged with outrageous stakes, perfect for the cliffhanger episodic model to make the WWF the only destination on Monday nights. But in the end, of course, evil prevailed. Vince loathed the idea of Austin holding the WWF title and had asked him to be a corporate man to better embody what that meant. And in 1998, Austin hit him in the dick. But in 2001, Austin shook him by the hand. Years later, Austin side-eyed McMahon in various segments that sort of forget all that silly business-killing bother and McMahon ate the old stunner on various retro shows. But in the real end, he got his man. Number 5. The Miz vs Daniel Bryan A fusion of reality and fiction, sometimes within the same worked segments, Daniel Bryan and The Miz were diametric opposites. Bryan was the in-ring killer who treated wrestling as art to the detriment of his health, whereas The Miz valued doing his job safely so that he'd never miss a date or a responsibility. When this was adapted into their criminally piss-poor programme of 2016, WWE couldn't exactly go full meta. The Brian and Miz conflict was repurposed as more traditional affair. Brian was virtuous and Miz took the shortcuts and in the end, after a shockingly subdued crowd reaction at SummerSlam indicated this outrageous botch of a programme 
Brian won in two minutes at Super Showdown with a small cradle. Now, Brian technically won the feud in the most anticlimactic fashion possible, but he lost his character in doing so. He turned heel almost immediately after it ended, sensing that the fickle fans who sat on their hands were no longer behind him. Number four, Stephanie McMahon versus Brie Bella. In an attempt to extract every last bit of juice from the Daniel Bryan versus the Authority storyline, Brie Bella was folded into the saga long after it was dead, and in a miraculous development, this subplot was actually really good. It was good because Stephanie McMahon was a great heel character, undermined by just one rather glaring flaw. She simply cannot put anybody over. Wonder where she gets that from? And since that is the exact goddamn point, most everything she did from 2013 onwards, beyond the odd obligatory bump at WrestleMania, was simply unbearable. I mean, her delivery was really good, but still unbearable. Bree slapped a giggling Stephanie square in the mouth, and it was great. It was the end game for Stephanie's very character. Steph slapped back when the feud heated up, and eventually won the match at the pay-per-view when Nikki turned on her sister. Evil won, and WWE separated a big drawing act, only to put them back together when Bree also turned heel. Good escapism, that. Number three, CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy. Now, in this particular instance, evil prevailed for a reason. Jeff Hardy was on the way out, and WWE made sure to get CM Punk over at his expense. Arguably, this was the best wholly fictional A to Z story WWE penned post-2001. Punk versus Hardy was gloriously simple. Punk was jeered for winning the Money in the Bank briefcase for a second consecutive year. Punk cashed in on Jeff Hardy, further disconnecting him from the fan base, and used that reaction to inform his exceptional sanctimonious heel act. After a slow burn turn plotted tremendously, Punk raged that Jeff Hardy was no hero. He was an unreliable drug addict who didn't deserve the love of the WWE Universe. This program peaked fabulously across a pair of stunning gimmick matches, the best singles TLC match ever, the symbolism of which formalised Punk's superiority, and a Loser Leaves Town cage match. Still as effective as it was, the specific beats of the story were a little bit jarring. The flawed hero, in the end, was just flawed, and it wasn't that effective since the Undertaker program undid everything just months later. As a self-contained story, however, this was incredible. Number two, Edge versus Matt Hardy. All right, this one's not exactly a tale of good versus evil so much as it's a tale of, okay, how do we say this? Adulterer versus toxic emo who mobilized his fans against his ex, who the fans, being the wrestling fans, treated as the heel in the carny adaptation of a distressing love triangle. You still following? It's a little bit more complex than simply labeling Hardy as the good guy in all of this, since he had no qualms about publicizing the matter and doing less than nothing to stem the backlash that all but scorched Lita's psyche. I mean, he wasn't to know that Lita would be turned into a one-dimensional quote-unquote slut character, nor was he to know that the character would become so over and so established for this transgression that Vince would later threaten to fire her if she refused to participate in the infamous live sex celebration. I mean, looking back at it, this whole deal was just such a mess, and the catharsis was never realised in the fiction. Hardy was beaten down horribly at SummerSlam, and while he gained a measure of revenge at Unforgiven, the lasting memory of this one is ultimately Hardy's loss. The lesser of the evils lost because WWE, truth be told, saw more money in the man Edge, who was lionised as the entertaining heel shagger. And ain't that the truth? And number one, with a bullet, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. People have debated for years who was the better wrestler between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. The snug, hermetic strategy of Bret Hart, who really did embody his excellence of execution moniker, or the searing, melodramatic flash of Shawn Michaels, who did, in fact, stop so many ashore with his big, bumping thrill rides. Now, whatever you land on that particular conversation, well, that's a whole other thing. What is very clear, though, between these two is just who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. Shawn Michaels was the bad guy. Shawn Michaels was the man who cultivated a toxic atmosphere. Michaels was the man who dropped a title without doing a job and returned ahead of schedule to confirm that he more than likely could have gone out on his back after all. 
and Michaels was the man who, setting the events of Montreal into motion, directly told Bret Hart that he wouldn't do the job and lie clean in the middle for him ever again. However, despite all of that, Michaels wasn't the man who pitched the screw job. But he did go along with it, and he did at least have the humanity to cut a despondent figure backstage in a moment of introspection. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 